Bienvenidos, esto es Diario de Abordo, una travesía a Waldorf. Mi nombre es Juan Pablo Varías. Y yo soy José Tobar. Somos dos profesores de secundaria intentando llevar una bitácora de las distintas peripecias que se presentan en el viaje por la educación Waldorf. Desde el Colegio Waldorf Guatemala estamos grabando nuevamente un episodio más. En esta ocasión vamos a poder escuchar una entrevista con Jamie York. Jamie... Eh, Realmente para mí es un gran gusto poderlo conocer. Él vino hace tres años, en 2016, vino al colegio por primera vez. Eh, y vamos a escuchar cómo relata un poquito de, de su primera venida. Eh, pero lo que, a lo que me refiero con decir que para mí es un gran gusto eh, poder conocer a Jamie, poder platicar con él año con año, porque esta es la cuarta ocasión en la que, en la que tenemos, lo tenemos aquí en el colegio es porque muchas veces uno lee libros, eh, sobre todo cuando uno está tratando de prepararse para, para, pues para dar una clase o cualquier materia, eh, uno lee libros que han escrito diferentes personas eh, y a veces yo me sorprendo de lo que han escrito, me sorprendo y admiro mucho eh, pues a, a estas personas que se tomaron el tiempo de sentarse, de escribir y que además son ideas nuevas, ideas frescas y, y que tienen muchísimo que aportar eh, en sí al mundo, pero además específicamente eh, a la educación y en este caso a la educación de las matemáticas. Cuando uno lee estos libros, eh, pues normalmente son de personas que fallecieron ya hace muchísimos años, eh, que uno nunca va a llegar a conocer, eh, que uno no va a llegar a coincidir ni en tiempo ni en espacio, ¿verdad? Entonces, para mí es impresionante poder haber leído sus libros, eh, inspirar mis clases en lo que él ha escrito, eh, empezar a llevar su currículum a cabo y de repente conocerlo. Y de repente poder venir y platicar con él y decir, bueno, yo hice esto, esto y el otro que decía el libro y esto sí no me pareció, esto no me pareció. Eh, para mí es una oportunidad eh, única, eh, es impresionante, como les digo, eh, sobre todo porque es como él baja al papel eh, todas estas ideas abstractas de cómo la matemática debería ser. Ya la matemática en sí a veces puede parecer un poco abstracta, pero más el, el hecho de cómo eh, van a escuchar cómo hacer humanas las matemáticas, cómo realmente llevar un camino de descubrimiento, cómo eh, crear entusiasmo por las matemáticas realmente... El, todas esas intenciones, poderlas bajar al papel y, y orientar a los maestros Waldorf de matemáticas eh, para mí es admirable, es una entrevista que me dio muchísimo gusto eh, pues poder hacer y poder participar y como les digo, año con año, eh, la verdad es que es de, de muchísimo agrado poder compartir con Jamie eh, un, su, su trabajo que ha sido pues de gran relevancia a nivel de de toda la comunidad Waldorf, eh, sobre todo de, de América, y me refiero a América no a Estados Unidos y América en general esta entrevista eh, pues está, está hecha en inglés porque el, el español de Jamie no es tan bueno, entonces eh, de verdad espero que que les guste y, y que tal vez hasta que les genere un, genere un poco más de de dudas que de respuestas, pero que sea un momento para poder 
eh, también interesarse un poquito más en lo, que, en lo magnífico que son las matemáticas dentro del currículum Waldorf. Al final también Jamie menciona um, su página de internet y ahí pueden ustedes eh, pues meterse. Hay diferentes descargas gratuitas y también está la opción de comprar los, los workshops que son en línea eh, y sus libros y demás. Entonces, de verdad, espero que disfruten muchísimo de, de esta entrevista con Jamie York. Hi Jamie, thank you for joining us for a conversation about math uh, in the Waldorf curriculum. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how did you encounter Waldorf education? Yeah, well for me, I think as it is, I suppose for many people, it feels like a sort of destiny thing where um, I think my whole life led me to, a, to that moment. Um, and I, I have a very mainstream background, I guess you could say, um, where I went to a, a public high school, and then after that I went to engineering school, com studied computer science, and, and right out at the very end of my college degree, uh, my last of the four years, I decided, you know what, I think I'd, I think I don't want to do computers for my whole life. I think I would like to. I think I would like to be a teacher. I got a, had a job, a very temporary sort of part-time job as a tutor, and I really enjoyed it. So I thought, okay, I think I'll be a teacher. And so I started out in a boarding school uh, in New Hampshire, which is a, a place near Boston in the U.S. And at that school, I enjoyed my teaching very much. And but I decided I, I started. I was only 22 years old. And then I decided that I really wanted to have some more life experience, explore the world, and I traveled and did all this. And by the time I was done with my traveling, uh, which included Nepal, where I met my wife, and when I, by the time I came back after, it was really six years, um, after a six-year journey, you could say, I came back to live in Colorado with my wife, and, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And so this is actually a true story. I, I really didn't know if I wanted to go into computers again or if I, I didn't feel that I could really go back to mainstream, a mainstream school. I felt like I was, I guess I would articulate it now and say that I was really looking for something that had a philosophy behind it. And, and the reality is I was coming back from the airport and I sat on the bus next to the most enthusiastic Waldorf teacher <laughs> you could ever sit next to. And, and, and literally, I, I, I know it sounds very funny, but after 45 minutes I got off the bus and I said to myself, I'm going to be a Waldorf teacher. And, and, it, and that's really what happened. A short time after that, I, I showed up on the doorstep of Shining Mountain Waldorf School, which is in Boulder, Colorado, where I was living. And, and I was, started tutoring and uh, substitute teaching and so forth. And then shortly after that, uh, they offered me a job to teach middle school. It really began with middle school. Uh, the high school was pioneering at that point. They had not had a graduating class yet, and their lead class at that point was in 11th grade. So it was, it was an exciting time. And I, I noticed that uh, there's an interesting parallel between that time, which I, I think in many ways I look back and just Sure, it was difficult, but there was something, you know, quite beautiful and 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 inspiring about that time in my life. And so I come here now to the Waldorf School here in Guatemala, and I, I see it reminds me of those times. Um, although I have to admit, and I mean this sincerely, that the school here really has its act together in a much bigger way than the school I was at. 
I mean, we were really, I guess the English expression would be flying by the seat of our pants, uh, I think, in those early years, trying to figure out what to do. But it was wonderful. It was exciting at the same time. And that was the beginning. That was 1994. Um, and that's when I started in the fall of 1994. And since then, I also taught for a short bit in Holland. We moved to Holland, taught in the Waldorf School there uh, for a couple of years, and then we came back. And that was when I finished my... my my teaching job at Shining Mountain two and a half years ago, and since then I've been traveling. And, and what was like the interesting part of the Waldorf education that really caught you or that really captivated you? You know, it's interesting, isn't it? I think many people are drawn to Waldorf education if they, if they have an inclination towards art and the humanities and philosophy and things like that. And, you know, my background in many ways probably would be the opposite of that. Uh, as I said, I went to an engineering school that in many ways was the antithesis of Waldorf education. <laughs> it was very one-sided. Um, I bragged about how I did well in the SATs and, and, and got like a quarter of that score on my English. That's probably bad math right there, but anyway. Um, and, and so it wasn't, you know, I wasn't interested when I was young, you know, at that point when I was in college of, of being a well-rounded person. And so when I came to Waldorf education, I. I think there was a part of me that looked at that and said, wow, this is what I was missing. This is what I should have had. So even though you know, I hadn't had that art background, even though I hadn't had you know, that well-rounded education, I could look at that and think, yes, this is what I really should have had all along. And I think it inspired me to do some things like learn a language and, and, and learn how to be more artistic and to become a better writer and all those sort of things. So, um, and I think many people, you know, m m I think probably most people are drawn to Waldorf education, at least in the U.S., probably not so much uh, maybe here in Guatemala, but in the U.S. many of the teachers are drawn first through their children. Um, but for me, it, it wasn't that. It was, you know, I saw this as professionally, this is where I want to be. And as soon as I discovered Waldorf education, it was very clear that this was really a great match for me. And I'm so glad that, you know, it's been a fantastic journey for me and I'm so grateful it's really been the place for me to be. And, and I, I think it's the philosophy behind it. It's the anthroposophy. It's the approach towards education that really has been a perfect fit for me. Right. Um, Jamie, I met you three years ago. This is your fourth time here in Guatemala. Um, and as the audience know, uh, we're recording this from the Waldorf School of Guatemala. Um, but maybe you can describe a little bit better um, What's your relationship here in Guatemala? Why do you come uh, every year and why are you going to keep coming? You know, it was interesting because, um, you know, I call myself a math missionary, which is kind of a peculiar <laughs> term, I suppose. Um, and, you know, I had an immigration officer in New Zealand as he was looking at my my application as I was stepping off the airplane and it said profession and I said math missionary. You, re you really wrote math I, missionary I, I in the application? I absolutely did. <laughs> and it was probably a risk. I, f I probably wouldn't do that in some countries. I'd probably fear that I'd be thrown in prison or something. Or at least questioned very seriously. But I think the I figured that the person in New Zealand would have a bit of a sense of humor. And so he looked at me and he said, what's a math missionary? And, and, and why said, do you want to impose math to every right. people here? And I said... I said, well, as a math missionary, I travel around the world telling people that math shouldn't be torture. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, well, you're too late for me. <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, and then he let me go on the, on the express line. So I got through everything else. So I thought that was great. Maybe but, um, you can get in time for someone else. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is true. I do, feel, um, I do feel that math is, 
is really done quite poorly around the world, and it's probably been that way for just about ever, honestly. Uh, and I'm not a lone voice, but it is, I wouldn't say that I'm in the majority at all. Um, it is, I'm kind of on the fringe a little bit, but there are people out there that are starting to realize that math really isn't done as well as it should. And so um, for many years I was teaching full-time at Shining Mountain and I was involved with the teacher training program that I'm involved with in, in New Hampshire through the Center for Anthroposophy. And so all my vacations were kind of doing that teacher training work because I was you know, teaching many of the courses there for you know, teachers in training. And then I was traveling to schools and consulting and I was writing my books and it just became too much and I decided, okay, as much as I love being in the classroom, I really need to step aside for that at least for a while and focus on this math missionary work. And so the first part of that was to really travel around the world and to give, I was giving, I've been giving math workshops and I believe it's, it's been 22 countries, I think was the last count that I've done in the last two and a half years. And so one of my stop-offs was in Guatemala and, and I'd reflect upon that first experience because I think it says a lot for this school. Because in most of the countries that I go to, they're probably countries where Waldorf hasn't been as established. Uh, although I have been and given workshops in place like, places like Holland where it certainly is very well established in Norway and England. Um, but I've been in places like China and India and Mexico and I've been to Peru and Chile. And these are places where Waldorf is a bit newer. And I was, uh, I think, getting on the plane to go to, uh, to teach a workshop in Mexico. And I think it was Stefan here as the administrator for the school here in Guatemala contacted my wife and he said, well, I hear that Jamie's coming to Mexico. You know, is it possible that he can come to Guatemala? Now, I have these requests all the time. Somebody contacts me and says, oh, can you come to my school? And oftentimes it's a school of like two teachers and 10 students or something like that. And, you know, as much as I feel for these schools that are really struggling to survive and, 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 and I love their enthusiasm, it's, it, it, I've, I really don't see it as so much. I'm trying to make better use of my time so that I'm really giving these workshops to a larger audience. And so my wife and business manager, Karen, said, okay, um, we, we only, Jamie only goes if you can guarantee 30 teachers at a workshop. And she certainly was expecting, well, okay, we can't, you know, we can't do anything like that. And Karen was saying, well, why don't you just come to Mexico and do that? And Stefan said, well, we're doing our own teacher training here in Guatemala, which I'm like, okay, I've heard all sorts of schools say that. What could that be? <laughs> and, and then Stefan said, well, we have 40 teachers that can, we can promise that will be there. And I heard that and I just thought, okay, that makes no sense at all because <laughs> all these other places, you know, again, these schools would have like three grades and, you know, and it might be nice to go and visit. But I would typically go to a place and many different schools would come. But anyway, I just went by faith and I said, well, I guess that's the case. And I didn't have a picture of how this could be possible because we also heard the school, I think, at that time was in its second year. Um, yes. And so I got on the plane and, and came here, and I, I tend to have a lot of trust that things will work out. I had no idea what I was getting into, and they, they met me at the airport, and they had, there was somebody standing there when I got out of the, the customs there at the airport with a sign that said, Jaime. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, well, I guess that's the guy I'm supposed to go with. I, I thought at first he was a teacher, and then I sort of slowly realized that he was just a taxi driver and, <laughs> and then I thought the person in the back seat was the teacher but no then I realized it was really his wife and, and I had no idea where he was taking me <laughs> I had no idea I mean who knows what he was going to do to me but I'm like okay I figured that this will work out and 
we left the city and I expected, you know, I figured Guatemala City and I pictured I was going to be in downtown and I pictured all the traffic and I didn't exactly expect a very beautiful place and, and we started to leave the city and like, where is he taking me? And we went up this mountain and I, yeah, there was actually quite a bit of traffic at that point and, and he brought me at the, you know, into the school and I couldn't believe it. It was just so beautiful and I arrived here and I couldn't believe what a huge school it was in, in, for the second year. I mean, it was astounding. I don't know if I've ever heard of a school that was especially an independent private school that opened its doors that big that soon. And, and the energy when I walked into the school was just extraordinary. I mean, I just saw people that were so excited. And that even though they were new for Waldorf education, they were just so excited about it. The teachers, the students were so happy to be here and the parents and everything. It was just such a great place with great energy. And, and that's really what's drawn me here because I have to say in those 22 countries that I've been to, I've gone to a few places more than one time, uh, places that really I felt that my work was um, really accepted, people were open to it and they wanted me to come back. But I think this school is really special. Um, and so this school has really embraced my math curriculum, which has you know, been wonderful for me as well. And, 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 it's, and just the, the, the learning of math that's going on here is really you know, quite wonderful. There's a lot of support, there's a lot of collaboration, and it's been, I just come here every year because I love it. Well, talking about that, um, because you said that we have embraced your math curriculum and, and that, that's how it is, but can you tell us a little bit maybe how is math different like in the Waldorf um, education and how your curriculum um, actually makes math different from like the traditional uh, mainstream math from other schools? Well, I guess I would start by first saying that um, I think my work is quite well known through much of the Waldorf world in terms of math. And I, uh, you mentioned my curriculum and then Waldorf math. And I just want to first of all acknowledge that, that my curriculum is largely to do with me and it isn't the only thing that could be identified perhaps as a Waldorf approach to mathematics. Uh, there could be other approaches out there. I don't at all pretend to have a monopoly on that idea. Um, but it is a question, that question that you ask, how is Waldorf math different than mainstream math is certainly a question that I've dedicated you know, much of my life to now, trying to figure out. It was certainly a question when I first started at my school where you know, at that point there wasn't a whole, I didn't have a whole lot of guidance and had to figure out a lot of things in my, on my own and talk to a whole lot of people. I had to seek the guidance, I guess I would say. And uh, my mentor was Marty Levin. Uh, when I got my teacher training, and, and he certainly helped guide me a lot. And then I had Aaron Schubert, who was also, I think, a mentor of mine, and, and various other people who were able to help and guide me. But that's a big question. How is Waldorf math different? In some ways, a lot of what I believe is perhaps unique to me. And then in some ways, I think if I say, this is how Waldorf math should be different, I could also say, well, that's how it should be in any school. For example, I would say that um, mathematics should be, the way that mathematics is taught, should be largely centered around developing mathematical thinking. Um, I do think that that's a principle of Waldorf education, but it absolutely should be a principle anywhere that should happen. What's more particularly unique about the Waldorf approach to math are things like developmentally based. So we're not, and that's really a hallmark of Waldorf education. Uh, that everything we do is seen through the lens of how will this 
topic that I bring to my students? How will this lesson, how can I, how can I create a le this lesson for my students in front of me such that it will really uh, best serve their developmental needs at that point in time for this particular class that I have? And that's something that as Waldorf educators, we do all the time. Um, I think the, if I really, if I have a criticism of the, the mainstream approach to mathematics, it's probably that it's far too skills oriented to the point of being that it would seem that if you ask, and I'm not sure if, if really a lot of people even ask the question enough to come up with an articulate answer of what is the purpose of your math curriculum, it seems, well, it's to get through the book. Mm -hmm. It's to get through this textbook. It's to get through the curriculum. Ultimately, it's to get through this huge list of stuff and we're just going to check off the things that we've done. And that's a very skills-oriented approach. And unfortunately, that, that approach, which often ends up resulting in math anxiety and so forth because it's so pressured to get ahead, to get things done as quickly as possible, that um, it really doesn't serve the students very well. And to be honest, I don't even think it really develops skills very well because students that really don't have enthusiasm for learning math, that really aren't developing an understanding of the math that they're doing, ultimately don't learn skills very well. Uh, it doesn't really, so it's, it's kind of an ironic thing, isn't it, that to, to, have, to, to have our students develop the skills that they need, to try to teach them directly, to try to directly teach skills often doesn't work. Instead, what we want to do is we want them to develop the skills through the work that they're doing, where they're developing their thinking, they're struggling with things, they're thinking about things, they're wrestling with it, and in the process of doing that, hopefully they're developing enthusiasm for learning, and in that process, they're probably more open to learning the skills as they're doing the mathematics that's before them. Um, I could think of a couple of other things that makes Waldorf math different. Another thing is the, how it's integrated with other subjects. Uh, the geometry curriculum certainly is one thing that stands out very clearly. Um, the geometry, the Waldorf geometry curriculum is very uh, rich and deep and amazing. Uh, it was certainly in probably 95% of the topics that I now teach in, in geometry are things that I never had as a student. Uh, it's, it's artistic, it's beautiful, it's, it's developing the imagination. That's what Rudolf Steiner really wanted. He wanted through the geometry curriculum and everything we do, to develop a lively imagination in the students. And then the other thing is how we, I would say that math is something that we, that we are teaching the students because it teaches them what, really what it means to be human, what it means to be a human being. And I think that's also something that, I don't think it's unique to Waldorf education, but it's certainly something that Waldorf education values. This idea is we teach students so that they learn what it means to be human so they can become a full human being themselves. And, and if we look at it from that perspective, then what are we doing? We're typically integrating our math lessons, especially once we get into middle school and high school, we're integrating it with history and philosophy and other human endeavors like that. And so I think that's very different than certainly what I had when I was in, in public schools in the US when I was a student, and I think what most people encounter. Well, I think it sounds amazing, and actually uh, I think that's why we're all here because we are we, we fall in love with um, all the education and the math curriculum and, and all that but you make that sound really easy but actually how how do you make the students 
be enthusiastic about math? How do you integrate that in a lesson? Um, because, yeah, everyone will love to have a math curriculum like that. And but how do you make it happen at the yeah, How do we make our students be enthusiastic? I mean, it probably wouldn't be a very good approach to have a large stick and sort of say, you will be enthusiastic or I will punish you. It's probably not going to exactly work, truly. Um, you know, and, and I have to say this. I, I think math is such a beautiful thing, and that may sound very bizarre to people. Do we think math is being beautiful? Do we think of math as being an art? I would go as far to say the fact that that seems foreign to people and strange shows that we really are not teaching math in the right way. Because if we really are teaching it in the right way, then the math in and of itself will reveal that beauty to the students quite naturally. And so if we do it in the right way, if we do it so the students don't feel pressured, if we do it in a way so the students are, are really allowed the opportunity to discover things for themselves and, and not and not just given things. I mean, I talk often about this idea of blind procedures. Uh, the example, one of the examples and the, the way that I bring that about, well, I can talk about what I did with the ninth grade today, where I went in the ninth grade right here at this school and we derived the quadratic formula, right? And that was derived largely, the students felt, I hope, if I've done that successfully, the students feel they were part of a process of discovery. For most people, it was just given to them as a blind procedure. And, and again, I think there are good math teachers around the world who aren't involved in Waldorf education, who know that the best way to teach math is taking the time to really involve the students with the discovery process. But again, if we're involved with this huge checklist, and that's our primary motivation is to get through stuff, we often don't have time to do that. Right? So we took the time over a period of, I think it was like four or five days, really, to build up to this proof of what's called the quadratic formula. If you can't remember the quadratic formula, it's x equals the opposite of b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over 2a. I'm sure probably for some of the listeners here, that probably is going to give them nightmares <laughs> when they were in school. But um, you know that idea of trying to really discover math, I think, is one of the things that we really need to open the doors to. And if we can do that in the right way, I think students will naturally just become enthusiastic, honestly, um, if we allow for that to happen. My job as a teacher isn't to give them enthusiasm. It's, it's really to try to set the stage to make it possible. That's the art of teaching math, really, is to, to allow for those opportunities to happen so that the enthusiasm actually comes out of the students. Yeah, and maybe, well, I think without maybe, um, when you have a textbook that gives you all the definitions at the beginning, uh, that um, doesn't allow uh, that path and also um, the, the students are not discovering anything because you're just giving Absolutely. that to them. And we live in a day and age where people are trying to standardize things to that degree where the, where the teacher is then doesn't have the freedom to create what they need to create to allow the magic to happen in the classroom. And, and if we're just going through some textbook, it really isn't going to allow that to happen the right way. My approach to math, and I'd say the Waldorf approach to math, isn't the easy path. Mm -hmm. It would seem the easy path is to just give a textbook to the teacher and just say, okay, just flip these pages and get through it. But even though it's not the easy path, it certainly is, I would say, the meaningful path, the joyful path. And it's, it's certainly the much better path because ultimately the easy path doesn't really work and it creates all 
all of its own problems would then create doesn't it's not the easy path because it creates all kinds of other difficulties yeah and the textbooks like don't really recognize the human condition of the students because they think they're like just sponges that you need to fill them with content with math content exactly. and they will get it yeah. I mean that's the problem we end up treating these students before us more as either machines or animals that are to be trained these are really human beings. And let me just say, I think it's possible to use a textbook, to use a workbook in the right way, but if the whole, if, if all of the lessons in the classroom are completely dictated and dominated by the textbook and workbook, that's not gonna work. So a teacher that's really gonna teach artistically and creatively, sure, the textbook or workbook can be used as a resource that helps to guide things, perhaps, but ultimately the creativity of the lesson has to come really from the teacher. And in that sense, um, in you know, in an area that you can really develop art, artistic work and be really, yeah, creative on your lessons, it's geometry. And I think geometry is really different than the um, Waldorf uh, curriculum. And it starts from first grade. Uh, yeah, with, it's the uh, first day of first grade, actually. Is you know, it's one of the few lessons that Rudolf Steiner was at all specific about. Is on the first day of first grade, the class teacher will do the curved and the straight line, and that begins this whole art form that I think is unique to the Waldorf School called form drawing. And it's really an extraordinary thing, and that eventually blossoms into the um, into the fifth and sixth grade uh, curriculum with with these amazing geometric forms that they're drawing through, often what's called geometric drawing, and then eventually really culminates in high school with a course called projective geometry, which is when geometry really I say it as we go far beyond what the mainstream world even encounters with geometry with that. And that the thinking is very deep, it's philosophical, and it's, it really enlivens their imagination in a way that I think helps their thinking in ways that we can't even fully understand. Right, and um, there's a common question between the students, I think, when they start the high school and they are doing all of this um, geometric um, forms, uh, they start with working with uh, mm -hmm. compass and the straight edge in fifth and sixth grade and, and then they go deep and all that and we go to the platonic solids and even mm -hmm. to projective geometry. Some, some people might wonder, why are you learning about platonic solids and all that if actually you're, nobody is going to uh, ask you in a job interview if you know about the tetrahedron or sure. In the SATs, you're not going to see um, what's the how many bases does an icosahedron has or something. Sure, exactly. And I think this really reflects a, a, again a, a very big misunderstanding that our society has today about what mathematics is and what the purpose of teaching math is. Um, we tend to see math as in our society. We tend to see it as the purpose is to just give students these skills so that they can use it for something else that will be useful. I hear it often that, that math is a language. And there's, there can be a little bit of truth in that. In particular, algebra, you could say, is a language of mathematics. But mathematics itself is much more than just a language. When I hear someone say math is a language, I hear them really saying, well, it's a skill to be learned so we can do something interesting with it, perhaps in a, in a science course or in business or something like that. And I, I see math as something that 
it's, again, it's that human, it's so human to us. Just why do we teach poetry? Why do we teach art? Why do we teach music? This is all helping us to develop into full human beings. And it's helping, I think, all of these subjects are helping our brain to develop and to think in a way that we can't even fully, really, truly uh, comprehend. Um, and so if somebody asks, why are we doing this? From a mathematical perspective, I will say, well, it's really helping to strengthen your thinking and to have you think in different ways, and this is hugely valuable. And that's ultimate, I think that's the most important thing. I mean, I would go as far to say any math topic that we teach in the classroom, the most important thing is not actually that topic that we did, but it's the process and the experience that the students have, oftentimes working through struggle discovery, all of these different things, the idea of becoming creative problem solvers. All of that doesn't happen through just learning a skill and getting a problem right on a test. It happens by the process that you went through. And I think this happens in many different subjects as well. Right. And regarding that, um, right now you're teaching the um, projective geometry block in 11th grade. That's like the culmination of mm -hmm. the uh, geometry curriculum and um, it, but I'm pretty sure that um, a lot of people don't know what uh, projective geometry is. Maybe you can t talk a little bit about what's that and how is it going with 11 graders? Yeah, projective geometry is an interesting thing. Um, from an anthroposophical perspective I would say it's, it's really uh, one of the few topics that we have that we can teach in our schools that it takes their thinking to a whole nother level. Cult um, Rudolf Steiner talks about cultural epochs uh, and how in this cultural epoch, this time now, we need to think in a different and a higher level way. To give an example of that in the world of science, we are now, uh, people can acknowledge that the old science way of thinking of science through Newtonian mechanics, it's true in a certain context in that context being Euclidean, what we would think of as normal geometry. There are other geometries that have been developed in the last 150 years that most people are not aware of. And certainly projective geometry touches upon that. And so it's wonderful to have our students in 11th grade essentially get a taste of this higher level thinking that is really far beyond where most anybody, into, I'm not saying anybody, but I'm saying 99% of all even educated people are aware of. Um, and and it's, it was a radical thing that Rudolf Steiner said, projective geometry should be taught in high school. Normally it's not something you would encounter. You could if you were a math major toward the end of your math degree or maybe in graduate school. So it does exist outside of Waldorf education, but the way that we teach it in a Waldorf school is unique and the fact that we even teach it at all is certainly unique to high school education in the world today. So thank you very much. Jamie, um, for your time, for talking a little bit uh, about math uh, in the Waldorf um, education and for sharing all your Thank you. Ideas. Thank you, Juan Pablo, and to all of your colleagues for welcoming me here. And I look forward to coming here in the years in the future and seeing the school develop even further. It's quite exciting. Okay. If anyone wants to get uh, more involved or know a little bit more about your curriculum, about um, the books you have uh, wrote the the um, so I do have a website yeah. and the, the website is Jamie York Press not Jaime but Jamie <laughs> J-A-M-I-E JamieYorkPress.com you can go there and you can see basically all of the what I'm doing and 
uh, the books and I have online workshops and, and videos and lectures that you can watch also go to YouTube. You can see that as well. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jamie.